Swamiji, the age that we live in, technology has become very prevalent and it's a great blessing in many ways, but it also seems as much of a curse as a blessing. Will that trend continue or? I think people will reach the point where they find that having everything perfect and um, efficient and everything will not give them what they're looking for. It really does not matter whether I can drive my car faster or more, or I have to walk. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters outwardly. And technology can bring you to a certain point, but it can't touch your inner reaction. So the richer people are, often the more unhappy they are. You know, there's somebody, I wrote a story, it's called The Time Tunnel. And uh, it's a sweet story. It's about me and my brother when we were children. And we lived in Romania and we were in the Carpathians and walked out into a forest and discovered a laboratory. It's all fanciful. Not fanciful that I lived in the Carpathians or vacationed there, but that I discovered this laboratory. And they found a, uh, it was a ruin, but they found a tunnel in the back and they went into this tunnel out of time into timelessness. And from there you can go back and forward in time. And so they went back to ages in the past, they went to the future. And one lesson that I didn't expect, but somebody in India, he says he lives in an elite colony. And he says people who are they're rich, they have everything they want, but they're always fighting with anger against each other. And he bought 30 copies of this book to give to people to make them more harmonious. And uh, lately he bought another 30 copy, just for the same purpose. He's not a religious man, but it's true that somehow these boys saw in history, I said, time travel, you can't change history, but going through history can change you. And so your reaction to things is what really matters. So we need to learn to react in such a way that will make us happy. Swamiji, looking back across the lessons of history, um, we see a, a, a continuing growth of population. We see a continuing growth of commotion, it seems like. Is that going to come to a head at a certain point? You know, <clears throat> we're in an age of greater energy now. Um, before, when people thought in terms of matter, their minds were also duller. And their means of destroying each other were duller. They could only use bows and arrows and then guns and then cannons. But still, now with atom bombs, um, you'll reach an age when people, everything, they understand things as more mental vibration. Of, they'll understand that everything, time itself is a delusion. They will have mantric bombs. By, by words, they can destroy people. These things, the chaos will continue until farther into that age. Then people begin to understand that really everything is God and there will be peace for many thousands of years until that cycle comes down again and people fall once more into the delusions that we live in right now. But all that time, um, yes, we're coming into a time of greater strife because anything we do has more power. You drop an atom bomb, it can kill many more people 
than just a, a bullet or something. So, yes, things are not going to get easier. However, I do think this, that th we're coming to a time right now where depression will bring world war. I think that could easily bring atom bombs. I think that if they do drop an atom bomb, it won't be over Mount Blanc or Mount Shasta. It'll be on cities like Los Angeles or New York or London. It will be terrible. But I do think people will be so fed up with war after that that we'll come to a period of peace that will last 300 years or more. And uh, I think that is coming in our future. It will continue, however, people will go back. And man is a contentious creature. And until he overcomes this contentiousness in his own heart, he'll never have peace outside. Swamiji, was the world created as a stage for man in order to sort of play on or grow? Well, Shakespeare put it that way, and it's as good a saying as any. Um, but in fact, we're all the playwright, the actors, everything. And God is in everything, and God is acting everything through us. It's really, I remember Yogananda describing to me how God eats people. <laughs> Death, life, they don't mean anything. In the end, the whole purpose of life is to discover who we are and what we are. And so we live on this planet. Consciousness is in everything because that consciousness created the rocks even. There is consciousness in the rocks. Science has discovered that the rocks, solid matter, is just energy. And they found that that even metals can become tired. You need to live, give them a chance to rest if you're using metal tools. And so it is that you have to understand everything finally is consciousness. So gradually, that consciousness, even in the heart of an atom, Yogananda said that even an atom is dowered with individuality. There's that individuality in every point of space. And although everything is made of bliss, your expression of bliss is unique. Yours is unique. Mine is unique. Everyone, in a sense, is himself and uniquely himself. That's one of the marvels of this creation. But you begin, let us say, as a germ. And in fact, Yogananda said, if you live an evil enough life, you can become an animal again, go back down the ladder of evolution, if you continue to live an evil life, you can be thrown further down, even to the level of a germ. He said there are galaxies, whole galaxies, which express more um, of the three qualities, Tamoguna, which is the darkening quality, Rajaguna, which is our galaxy, which is the active quality, and Satoguna, where people are more in tune with the higher qualities of goodness and so on. And... Uh, he said that in the darker galaxies, there's nothing but warfare and cannibalism and everything. And he said sometimes uh, epidemics on this world come from germs, from those that you've been thrown back to a germ level. And they can be whole clouds of these germs coming and infecting this planet. Now, how can a galaxy long billions of light years away from our present galaxy suddenly appear on this earth as an epidemic. There's no such thing as time and space. It's all mental anyway. 
so they don't have to come a great distance to come here. It's a level of consciousness. And right now, where you're living, where we're living, there are saints, there are devils, there's everything all around us. That's why it's very important to understand your thoughts are not your own. You are a transmitting station for the level of consciousness on which you live. Your thoughts are universally rooted. Therefore, if you raise your level of consciousness, then you can become a transmitting station for higher levels of consciousness. And the, the uh, age into which we're coming, for a while people will want peace because uh, they'll be sick of it, fighting. But sooner or later, the contentious nature of human beings will come out until they realize everything is gone. And then they will be more in uh, sattvic consciousness. Where does this contention come from? Man wanting things to be other than they are. Why do you get angry? Because you want things different from what they are. Otherwise, if somebody calls you a fool, and you just say, well, if I'm a fool, then it doesn't matter for you to know it, <laughs> and you don't mind, then fine. But if you, get, if you think they shouldn't think this way of you, then you get angry. If somebody takes away something that uh, you think of as yours, you get angry. In this movie that I, this play that I, or story, I've written it as a movie script also, The Time Tunnel. In a future age, they, in a sattvic age, a good age, they find uh, that anybody can come into anybody's house and they ask the question, but then how, how do you protect it against thieves? He said, in this age, nobody wants anything that isn't his, mm -hmm. and nobody thinks of anything as his that is his. Mm -hmm. So they can come in, and uh, if they want to take everything, they're fine. They're welcome to it. And if you can do that, then you have complete peace. There's a beautiful story in the life of Emperor Alexander. When he went to India, he heard about these yogis, and he heard about one yogi, and he sent somebody, and... Uh, he, the man told him, His Majesty the Emperor wants you to come and answer questions. And if he comes, if you come, he will load you with riches, but if you don't come, he'll kill you. And he said, If he wants to take this body, fine. I, I've, I've, it's, I put it to the use that I needed, and I've gained my lesson from it. I don't need this body. If there's anything he wants from me, let him come to me. <laughs> and so the king came to him. But uh, truly, that's why in India they speak of saints as Maharaj, great king, because a saint is truly the true king. A king who has no control over his own emotions is no king. You are truly a ruler when you're a ruler of your own emotions. When you don't care what happens to you, you're willing to be killed, it doesn't matter. I had this interesting experience in a dream recently. I dreamed that some people put me uh, to the fire, were burning me at the stake. And they were, as can happen in dreams, sitting at a banquet table nearby, feasting and drinking and laughing. And I was perfectly indifferent. And then some friends came and saved me. And I was still indifferent. And I was very happy to find that it just didn't matter. Yes, I knew that I would feel pain, but on the other hand, the pain would be temporary. Then I'd be out of this body and I would be incapable of feeling pain. Therefore, when I go to the dentist, for example, I don't take Novocaine 
because I think it, it's good for you to discipline your mind not to, not to think this pain is something that shouldn't happen. If it happens, let it happen. What comes of itself, let it come. That's a very good rule to follow in your life. What comes of itself, let it come. Nishkam karma is another rule. Act without desire for the fruits of action. One time the dentist was working on me and it was more painful than usual. Usually I sit there and compose music or work on a passage that I'm writing in a book or whatever it might be and just don't pay any attention. But this time it was commanding my attention. So I just thought of myself as much larger than this body and this what was happening to this little body was just a small part of my overall consciousness and it just didn't bother me. The dentist was perspiring, but I didn't care because I, I thought, well, it's just one aspect of what I'm feeling. Why let it become paramount? Everything, when you see everything is God, everything is blessed.